0: Hi and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 66, where in a moment we discuss five questions to ask before you invest. That's today's show topic and it's on the way, like I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we've covered mortgages, pensions, credit unions, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance and loads more. You name it, we've done it. And last week, we looked at reviewing your mortgage. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one, and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Mellis, and with me as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. So this week, we're tackling five questions to ask before you invest. Put simply, obviously, investing is attractive because you can make money, a return on your investment. Presumably, this is an episode that's going to help us figure out whether what we're looking at is a good investment or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, on on here, I thought, right, we, we can go through a few different questions to ask if you're, you're looking to invest money. We'll, we'll cover quite a, a range of, of different things, but I thought it was quite a good one today to, to do. I mean, I know we're, we're kind of getting close to Christmas time and people might be thinking, ah, oh, nearly thinking about investing money at the moment but one of the good things is I mean the people have a lot of time off for well, not everyone but a lot of people have time off between Christmas and New Year so they might think right it's a good podcast to, to listen to while we're off work over the festive period and maybe looking into the new year yeah, their the exactly. kind of financial goals there yeah exactly
0: okay so take me through these steps number one is Am I comfortable with the level of risk? Can I afford to lose money? I suppose it's a fairly obvious start, Phil. I mean, if you're going to invest, you have to be prepared to lose that investment, don't you? But presumably within that, there are levels or certain degrees of risk.
1: Yeah, that's it. it's almost num- number one's almost like two questions for the, the price I yeah. want, is it? It's like, yeah. am I comfortable with the, the level of risk and, and can I afford to lose money? You, you'll tend to find that usually the higher the risks, the higher potential rewards but also the, the higher potential losses. you find it's human nature. People want to try and get really great returns, but quite often they're not able to afford losses. And that that's one of the things. And the other thing with human nature, people often want to go into things when things are doing well. And when things are not doing so well, they're like, oh, no, I'm weary of that. So it is everyone wants great returns, but often people can't afford the, the losses or that level of, of risk. Also, at the moment, I would say, not only, I mean, when you're investing money, I mean, just now, some people say some investments come with, with no risk, but I, I would kind of disagree with that, because you've got, if I take cash ISAs, for example, at, at the minute, the interest rates on cash ISAs are in the region of about 1%. I mean, some of them are paying 0.1%, some of them are, are really poor. Now, inflation just now is, is a bit higher than normal. It's running. I think it, the last time I looked, it was about 4%. Now, if, if you've got a cash ISA paying you 1%, but inflation is 4 on that, in real terms, you're actually losing 3% a, a year on, on your investment. So, even investments like that, that people would class as being safe because of inflation risk, that, that, that's not necessarily the case as well and if you speak to a financial advisor they they would often go through they they would look at what's called your attitude to risk and and capacity for loss they would also go through like some questions that cover your circumstances and they'd have a detailed discussion about like risk and what your what your goals are what you're looking at planning to achieve how much risk do you maybe need to take to, to get to, to what you want? And it's all about doing what's what's comfortable for, for the person as well. And you know, on, on some investments, such as pensions, if you're a bit younger, you, you could generally tend to afford to take a wee bit more risk in that kind of investments because the, the money's away for a longer term. Whereas if you're approaching retirement, you might think, oh, I want my investments to be a wee bit safer There, so I'm always a great believer as well in diversifying. So that's a way of spreading risk and considering investing, like with different providers as well, different asset classes. You can spread your money across equities, bonds, commercial property, cash. So many things that you can can invest your money in. As you're speaking, I always get like a couple of questions that, that that pop into my
0: head. Yeah, and I'm going to do them before I forget them. Okay, yeah, perfect. Maybe not, maybe not the right place in the podcast to do them. But I'm going to do oh, them it's anyway. okay. Okay, so the first thing that crosses my mind, Phil, is as financial investors, you know, you 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 say it's always the best thing to do to go to a financial investor. Now, I'm wondering, a financial advisor. I'm yeah. wondering when you come to invest, how involved. A financial advisor might get let me give you this this example can I come along and say right I have been left in a will 50,000 pounds okay and I don't want anything to do with it in terms of looking after it but my aim is to double that to make 100,000 to have as a nice little nest egg when I retire in 10 years time and I trust you with all this money with the kitchen sink can you do it now? Would you take that on as, as a bit of business? Would you Would you say yeah? Okay, we can we can do that. We can make that fifty k for you.
1: Yeah, I think it's being realistic and managing people's expectations as well. I mean, the, you, you need to look and say, right, what's your goals for for this? How much? I mean, that, that's great in that sort of situation because you're saying, right, I've got a specific figure in mind that I would like to to hit. So what what you then need to do is look and say, right, what return do we need each year for you to, to hit that? Mm. Is that achievable? You, you might turn around and say, oh, but I'm really cautious. I wouldn't want an investment that would fluctuate up and down. And if that was the case, then that would have a big impact on where someone would recommend that you, you invest. Whereas other people might think, oh, I want to invest in in property. I want to invest in stock market. You, you get so many different places that that you can invest. And in. whatever you're doing, it's being comfortable with how that can, mm. like the, the risks attached to, to the, any particular investment. So that in that particular case, Phil,
0: and, and those these are the, the parameters that I gave you. So I've got 50K. Yeah. Uh, I want it to be 100K in 10 years' time. Would you go away and do like sort of case studies and projections and say, well, if you put it in this or if you put a little bit, would you come back with a, a variety of options for what I
1: could do? Yeah. So I'd, I'd look to say, right, what, what level of risk are you you comfortable with recommend something there and, and, and you know there's no guarantees that's the thing past performance there's always that disclaimers past performance is not necessarily a guide to the future but what it can tell us is which areas usually tend to do well over the, the longer term and in that kind of situation you would hope that the chances would be pretty good that, mm. that you would kind of double your investment in that period of time. Okay. But then if you were in a cautious, inv- like, let's say you said, right, I, I don't know, want like a very low tolerance to risk and I, I can't afford to lose this money. Mm-hmm. It might, in that situation, it'd be a lot harder to achieve that because you're not comfortable with, with taking on the, the risks there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, those were just numbers that I plucked out. Yeah. There, by the way.
0: No, that's, that's fine. The, the other, the other thing, the other question that crossed my mind is if someone comes into you and says, right. Okay. This is what I call my play money. I I I don't care whether we win or lose. I just, I just you know I could I could put it in here with you, or I could easily go down and just stick it on a roulette table. And you know it, it's all it's all much and such to me. Yeah, I want you to try and make a whack of cash, and I am completely easy about whether I lose all of it. Do you do you have like a special drawer that you, you delve down into and, <laughs> and and pull out the
1: high high risk investment strategies file? Is there something of that nature? Yeah, I mean, like you've got different kind of you've got cautious investors, some people call them balanced, speculative. You could almost aggressive is a word I've seen some yeah. firms use as well. So if someone's more speculative to aggressive, that, that I mean, yeah, you could go down to the, the casino and stick it all in a A number on the roulette table but the chances of winning are low but then I suppose if you do win the rewards are are very high so and if someone came a financial advisor saying right this is money that I didn't necessarily need that's where you would be looking at more what I would class as higher risk investments ones that hopefully over a longer term will give you higher returns but that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. always going to be the case. Yeah, I
0: always get this sort of Indiana Jones picture in my mind. You know, <laughs> he's, he's in the Temple of Doom, don't stand on that stone, stand on that one. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Do I understand the investment and could I get my money out easily? That's number two. Now, we've spoken before about investing, Phil. And all the things that I remember, you told me, you have to be prepared to play the long game. So if that's the case, why is it important that you can get your money out easily?
1: Well, I'd say you never know what's around the corner. I mean, i always a great advocate in people having an emergency fund, so it's good to have maybe a few months' wages there for, for anything that comes up in the short term, but you, you just never know what will come up. So it, it's important to understand what you're investing in, especially if you're targeting higher returns. You, you want to know what is it, how does it work, who's behind it, and it is. How how easy is it to get your money out if you needed it? That That's one of the, the things. I mean, you, you'll tend to find on a lot of investments that, that financial advisors will do a lot of them you can access a lot of them are a lot more accessible than they they used to be one of the reasons for that is financial advisors used to get paid a commission from the companies for setting for example investment bonds up now if you canceled that bond within five years it used to be that there was maybe penalties to, to come out of that and that was really the company's way of thinking, right, that's fine. We've paid out a commission, but we know we've got that money for X period of time. Whereas nowadays, financial advisors will charge fees. So most investments, not all, but mo- most investments done through financial advisors won't tend to have any early exit charges at all. The, the one thing that is important to note is it may be that if you're investing in, for example, a stock market investment, if the fund is down and you want to take money out when the fund's down, you could lose and that situation so mm-hmm. you've got to bear in mind that your your plans for the future can change and it's like what if someone came up and and you needed the money quickly I mean an example of that might be if if your kids were in trouble and they, they had let's say they were maybe yeah. married and split up and needed money quickly to buy a house or something that would just be one example of that so mm-hmm. you do you want to know how how liquid is it is your investment I mean for example if, if you're invested in property I mean how quickly could you sell it and release the, the funds and again property is the same I mean depending on how much you get back depends on what the value of it is at the time that you're you're looking to sell likewise with, with pensions if you put money in a pension that's not going to be accessible usually until you hit the age of 55 so can you afford to put that money away and leave it for for a period of time so different investments have got different almost like liquidity and, and accessibility there as well and and like i said earlier if you're investing in for example stocks and shares isa's for example you've got to remember that the fund can go down and when you're you're taking it out so that that's all important things to to note when you're investing money
0: yeah so the the thing that crossed my mind when you were saying that phil is it's got to be easily accessible for you. But if you're the company or the, that is being invested in, you're going to want to secure a, a certain amount of that investment at all times, for instance. So I would imagine if I invest in something, I'm not going to be able to access all my money at once and just take it out like that. There must be some security for the, the, the people that I'm investing in, surely, wouldn't there? Well,
1: I guess on a lot of things, it's all supply and demand, um, if, if the demand is there, you could sell something usually quite quickly hmm. and, and maybe do well with it. But if everyone, for example, stocks and shares, if everybody's selling at the same time, that's when you see markets crash and, and go down. So it, it can be, I mean, with that type of investment, it can be quite volatile. Lately, we've seen Bitcoin's the, the big one just now, is that every, a lot of people are thinking, oh, I can go into this and, make a few quid but some of these cryptocurrencies yeah some of them have done really well for people but there's also ones that have folk have lost the the lot so it is whatever you're you're invested in you've got to be wary and say right how much is it going to go up and down and how quickly can i get this money out should i should i need it this is
0: a a bit of a warning for for you as a parent as much as anything else i was going to drag my son into this podcast at one point (laughs) because he came to me and he said, you know, I think I'm going to take some of my money that I've got from uh, from working in the hotel where I, I clean the chalets and I'm going to invest it in, in cryptocurrency. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm going to invest it in cryptocurrency. And apparently this had, uh, he, he'd he been convinced this was a good deal through ads that he'd seen whilst gaming. Yeah. So, you know, they're even trying to attract kids that are 15, 16 years old. And they've got they've got no clue. <laughs> Let's
1: be so honest. That's, that's <laughs> it. I, I don't know. You want there to be like protections in place because yeah. it, every, some, some folk are a bit gullible. They see it and they think, oh, this returns. This folk have done really well out of this. Oh, I want a piece of that action. And and sadly, often the, the folk in that situation are the ones that can't afford to to lose it. I'll tell you a good one with my uh, one of my kids just now. He he came to me, and goes, Ah oh, Dad, can you can you buy me this box of lollipops? And I'm thinking, lollipops? I goes, why do you want that? What he was looking to do was sell them at school. <laughs> now, I, I initially I thought, ah, oh, I, I was like, that's really clever. But uh-huh. the downside is I know that he's wanting to sell them so he can buy cigarettes and vapes. Oh. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So it's just like, oh, man. it's. So the idea behind it was good, but unfortunately what he's <laughs> wanting it for, isn't it so good? He's going in at ground level, is he? I know. <laughs> I was, I, I'm going off a
0: tangent here, but... I once, uh, and this is going back to when I was a kid and I actually did have a, like a packet of 10 cigarettes or something on me. And me and my pal, we were down at, at Loch Ness side for for like a, an, a, an afternoon with a bunch of jam jars and a packet of fags. And we went, paint <laughs> the jam jar, lid on, and we were selling it as authentic Scotch mist as the, as the American tourists came off the bus. And you what is, we sold out the whole lot. We said, don't open the jars. Don't open the jars, you'll lose it. And we sold the whole lot in, in about half an hour. Honestly, Uh, of all the gullible people in the world, tourists (laughs) are up there. Right, um, (laughs) don't do that, kids. The third in our our five questions to ask before you can invest, and this is the sort of thing that, you know, I'm talking about here, Phil, I suppose. Are my investments regulated? This is a slightly sticky area, isn't it? Some things are, others aren't, I guess. Um, So take me through it.
1: Yeah, that's it. One of the other things here as well is you want to know that if something goes wrong, you're going to have the protection of, yeah. there's what's called the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, often referred to as the, the FSCS. And there's also what's called the Financial Ombudsman Service, or quite often that's referred to as FOS. That, that's one thing in financial services. You've got a lot of acronyms, acronyms and jargon. Yeah. But the, the Financial Ombudsman's there to protect people if they've been given poor advice. It's a free service and it can help with things like investments, pensions. So it's it's important to, to know if your investments are, are covered by, by this service. And likewise, the, the FSCS is, is also a, a free service. It's there to protect you when financial firms fail. Now, it's important to note not every investment will be covered by the likes so of the financial services compensation scheme. So you should check what protections are in place for, for any investments that you're making. In, in general... You should check that the providers authorized by what's called the Financial Conduct Authority, that's the the financial regulator, or what's called the Prudential Prudential Regulation Authority. So they're they're the two main kind of regulators in the, the UK. Providing financial advice in the UK is a regulated activity. So make sure your advisor shows on what's called the, the Financial Services Register. And you can access this on the, the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority website. So you can have a look on there to make sure that a, a financial advisor is authorized by them. What I would say is if, if you're making any investment, ask the firm or person giving you the advice to confirm if you are protected by the Financial Ombudsman Service and Financial Services Compensation Scheme. And, and some of the examples, like these cryptocurrencies, residential property there are things that are unlikely to be covered by by these things what i would say about property is you may if you're taking out a mortgage you might have some protections with, with that through the, these canard kind of lines but it, it is you you want to find out is the the investment regulated because you get unregulated investments as well and things like unregulated collective investment schemes crowdfunding. There's things like investing in mini bonds. There's a lot of different things out there that people can put their money in.
0: Yeah, and and they obviously do, which sort of leads me on to, would you or do you personally invest in anything unregulated? Or have you recommended something unregulated to a customer before? And if you did, how did you obtain
1: a a degree of certainty about it for the customer? When when I was a financial advisor, I, I never like recommended any unregulated investments at all. It is something I've considered myself. A, a couple of years ago, a guy I know was starting up his, his own business. He he was doing like a crowdfunding scheme for, for the business. Now I made a pledge that I'd put in a certain amount of money. Now in that occasion, it didn't go ahead because I think he had to get, that he was using some of these crowdfunding platforms and he needed to raise a minimum of X amount, Yeah, we didn't reach that. So, so the pledge I've put into that didn't uh, end up going ahead. But I, I was willing to do it. I thought, right, I, it was money that I was willing to lose the whole lot. One of the good things with that type of investment, it was what was called a, a seed investment. And seed investments are usually for like early startup companies. It would have gave me 50% tax relief on what I was doing. So I, I thought, right, I'm gonna get a bit of tax relief on that. So I wasn't gonna lose everything. But I, I was prepared to think right. What was the chances of making money off it? It's like yeah, I might have done really well, but at the same time, you can I, I was willing yeah. to lose kind of yeah. everything on on that one. So, okay. Um, question four: Am I protected
0: uh, if the investment provider provider or my advisor goes out of business? That's a good question.
1: I bet that's not straightforward, is it? Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is that if it's high-risk investments you're looking at, there, there's no real simple answer to that question. Before you invest, it's important to understand that you wouldn't be protected simply because your investment performs poorly. Can I mention that already on on the, the show earlier? So in some investments, if it's in stocks and shares, can fluctuate up or down. If you end up in a poorly performing investment, then again, you could lose through, through that. As I mentioned, it's also worth looking into which protections, if if any, might be available in the event that your your investment provider or like any regulated intermediary that you deal with goes out of business. So again, that's coming back to, to look and say, right, who's are they regulated? Are you covered by the various protection schemes in place? In in the UK, firms offering many financial services need to be authorised by the, the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority. So as I mentioned earlier, I would go on the financial services register, check that a firm's authorised. Also on there, you can check what permissions a firm has as well and what they are allowed to be ad- advising on. So that, that's something that's, that's also important to, to note as well. But in general, if you use the services of a firm that is not authorised to provide them, then you're likely to miss out on any possible protection from the likes of the the Financial Services Compensation Scheme or Financial Ombudsman Service. Okay, and I, I
0: imagine, I mean... You know, you get these like stickers or whatever that you'll see in windows that say "we're we're recommended." You know, like the, the blue kite trademark or whatever. Yeah. Those are probably reliable, but it's, but you have to go online and look at this list. You can't just take a chance on something like that. So oh, yeah, they're you know, I saw the sticker in the window. They're definitely
1: they're definitely authorised. Always oh, good to do a bit of due diligence if you're using anybody for any kind of investment. Having a look and saying, right, do they look to be Like in this, especially in this days of scams and scammers. Mm. I mean, you've had people, I I remember at one point somebody actually cloned the financial services authority or the F A sorry, Financial Conduct Authority website at one point in time. Now they they got that taken down really quickly. I've reported folk to to the FCA before, and sadly they, they didn't have the resources to deal with everything as promptly as that. So it is. You, you, you've got to do a bit of due diligence, looking up. The internet can be good, but then don't always believe everything you, you read oh. on the internet, eh? But certainly try and do a bit of due diligence about any firm that you're investing with or person that's giving you advice. Okay.
0: Finally, question five. Should I get financial advice? Well, that's a slam dunk. Presumably
1: you should always get financial advice before you invest, Phil. Yes, yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, a financial advisor, they, they'll assess things like your attitude to risk, your capacity for loss. They can look at your circumstances and help you set financial goals. They can help you make a financial plan and then sticking to it is, is sometimes the important bit. If someone was looking to, to speak to a financial advisor, the, the best place I always think is to ask your f- friends and family Do they anybody they would recommend that you speak to you also have websites online ones such as unbiased.co.uk it's kind of like a I find a financial advisor site one of the good things with that site they, they do a bit of due diligence they make sure that the advisor's regulated they ask them I think for, for copies of their exam certificates to prove that they, they they've got all of that sort of things in place as well but really financial planners and financial advisors they're there to make your life easier. Like like anything, you, you can try and do it yourself, but that's what they're there for. They, they're they doing that day in, day out. So they're there to make life a lot easier for you in that um, just a, situation. Just a sidebar on this, Phil.
0: You know, you're talking about the certification that that your financial advisor or your, yeah. your planner has. Presumably that, that would go out of date at some point. So they'd have to keep them up to date, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, financial advisors have to do, they, well, they, they need what's called a statement of professional standing. So they get that every year. And and part of the stipulation of that is, one, you've got to be qualified to, to in the first place. But financial advisors have got to do 35 hours of what's called CPD, continuous professional development. So they're, they're learning all the time. They, the companies that issue these statements of professional standing, they will, from time to time, Ask for a copy of all your CPD and they'll look through it to make sure. I, I think they're doing it in more and more cases now. I know one financial advisor, I know Peter, he's had his check two years in a row, both times, fine, done it plenty. And um things change all the time. So so financial advisors, financial planners, they've got to keep up to date with regulatory changes, changes in the economy. They've got you've also got things like every budget. There's there's sometimes things change there. So in, in the world we live in, things are changing and evolving all the time. So important for any financial advisor to to be keeping up to date with all of that things. Okay. Uh, here we go, Phil, as we enter into
0: the part of the show where you share your own life story. Uh, what have you got regarding our topic today on, on five questions to ask before you invest?
1: You know, sadly, there, there's been many occasions over the years where People haven't asked some of the questions that we've covered on the the podcast today. I've seen some clients or people I've dealt with in in the past where they'd invested in unregulated collective schemes. I've seen people lose money on structured investments where the, the counterparty failed. I've seen people lose money through pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, I've seen people lose money on, on property investments. Some of that has been in the UK, some overseas. I remember one guy that I dealt with, he, he lost a significant sum in some Mexican property investment. And, and I think that's where it's important to know a bit about what you're investing in and do a bit of due diligence. And, and also... One of the things that one of the key things I would say is remember, if something seems too good to be true, it usually is. I was I was just about to ask that
0: on the flip side. Is that old adage true? If it seems too good to be true, then it probably is. Phil, we always do this bit as well. You find inspiration, I know, through various people that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for the episode five? Questions to ask before you invest.
1: Quote this week comes from someone called Peter Lynch. An important key to investing is to remember that sticks are not lottery
0: tickets. (laughs) Now, uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. As always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in just a sec. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. I'm getting divorced soon and aiming to buy my ex out of the existing property we've lived in so I can go on staying here on my own with the kids. How easy is this to do in terms of securing the funds from a lender and how quickly is it likely to come through?
1: Sadly, sometimes if you're divorcing, and it can sometimes take a while to sort out the, the legal side of things. So, so that can have a big impact on things. Well, one thing I would recommend to in, in this situation would be speaking to a whole-of-market mortgage broker. They would be able to let you know how much you could borrow, how long it would take to get through. They, they can look at all the, the various ins and outs. And A, a lot's going to depend on your income, your outgoings, how much equity is in the, the property, how much you're having to maybe pay to, to your ex-spouse. Quite a lot to, to take into account there. But you, you can usually get a mortgage agreed in principle usually within a matter of hours. So time-wise, to know if it's doable or not would be something that you should be able to find that out pretty quickly. But like I say, sadly, with with divorce and sometimes all the the legal side of things can take a a wee while to sort out. Um, This might sound like a a stupid question, but as you know, I've never been
0: fearful of asking those. Are there uh, or is there any product on the market specifically for that exact requirement? So, you know, um, someone's getting divorced and they want to go from a joint mortgage down to a solo one. Is, is there anything on the market
1: that deals with that specifically? Not really. I mean, you, you'll find that, that that situation comes up regularly. So mortgage lenders are, are used to it. Most mortgage brokers are, have came across that numerous times as well. So there's people out there that's got an experience dealing with that sort of thing. Although there's no actual product specifically designed I'm aware of for, for that. Okay. This is next one is
0: something that I... Never heard of before in my life, Phil. We'll give it a go. It's from Alan and Eldersley. Alan says, Hi, Phil. I'm an actor. I've worked in many films and TV projects across my career. I've been offered various terms in the past. You'll have heard the types of deal. Instead of a straightforward payment for my services, a lower rate up front, followed by a take of the project's overall earnings, etc. Pre COVID, I was never really sure what to do about that. It's a little bit more straightforward now. But I was wondering if you know of
1: any specialist advisors in this area. I'd probably say with that, it's just it's best weighing up all the, the options to see what's best for you. I'd probably say that that would be more the remit of maybe what an accountant would go over. They, they can look at all the, the tax implications are getting paid in, in certain ways. I, I'd probably say it's more one for, for them. Not anybody I know that would really be specialists in that sort of field, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: I'm wondering about the sort of background unions as well, you know, the likes of equity or you know that that sort of thing might have yeah. information on things like that. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's certainly the first time we've seen anything like that coming into the show. Thank you for it all the same. Uh, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's personal finance With Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Then you get us Every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, John.